Hello everyone, Karina here, and this is just a little preface to let you know that the following episode was originally recorded back in April 2021. The reason it's taken so long to release is because we did lose all of Casio's audio, and to be totally honest with you, it made us not really want to edit this podcast, but I wanted to come back and revisit it and release at least what we do have, but there will be moments of silence and you will be missing Cassie's commentary for this episode. Hopefully you can still enjoy myself and Rachel from the Hidden Wings and Bloodlust podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to CritterCast episode 66. My name is Karina. We are your co-hosts of CritterCast, and today we're joined by a guest host, Rachel, from the podcast Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. We'll give Rachel a moment to talk about her show and her podcast in just a few minutes, um, but today we are so excited to be talking about hummingbird hawk moths. It's Cassie and Karina, and we're at it again, sharing cool facts about our animal friends. We make stupid jokes and we laugh a lot, but we also like to learn, so give us a shot. We'll talk about snails and their tweezer teeth. Or gush about our love of manatees. We'll tell you why owls are so scary to us. And there's tons more critters that we'll discuss. We promise to make sure you'll have a blast. Because you're listening to CritterCast. Every time. It's, I, you know, I tried to rewrite it for season two. I was like, let's write a new version. And it just, nothing was. It wasn't as good. Um, but like we said, we're, we're excited to be talking about hummingbird hawk moth today, which is very topical because we have our friend Rachel on the show. Um, and Rachel is her podcast. Well, you tell us what it's all about, Rachel. Hi. Um, so I do a podcast called Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, and it's all about ladybirds or ladybugs. And I came up, me and my friend actually came up with the name Hidden Wings and Bloodlust because we were trying to we were trying to kind of like find a cool name that referred to ladybirds and didn't actually refer to them and we kind of thought the bloodlust refers to like the bloodlust against the aphids and the hidden wings refers to like the the wings underneath the um the wing case the elytra so every week so probably not every week actually but um so <laughs> So I do a podcast. So the podcast I try to it tries to be every week, but um, not not always. I talk about either a different aspect of ladybirds or ladybugs, uh, or I talk about like a different ladybird. And I sometimes have guests on the show. Like the most recent guest interview I did was like a guy who told me how a ladybird had changed his life. And how it had given him like a sort of newfound respect for like for animals and insects and things like that. And the most recent episode I did was um, on like how insects are categorized from like a scientific point of view. So I try and be pretty um, informative. Like I don't always get things right, but um, <laughs> lady because ladybirds are technical little beasts. So yeah. <laughs> so it can be uh quite quite tricky but I do I do really enjoy doing it and stuff so yeah awesome <laughs> I was gonna you. say I don't think like I don't think I'd ever really thought about how blood bloodthirsty and bloodlusty you know ladybugs which is what we primarily call them here in the U.S. Yeah. how yeah. they are until I moved into a house and one of my hedge bushes covered in aphids like every single leaf was white from aphids yeah. and I yeah. like casually I was like I'll just pick up some ladybugs see how it does I you know <laughs> and literally a year later my mom came over and she was like there are no aphids on this bush. I thought it was going to die. Where did they all go? The one <laughs> container of ladybugs. Like there's a, there's a little bit, yeah. I'm going to get some more, but mm. I was like, bravo ladybugs. You did a good job. Yeah. Um, but if you guys are interested in checking out hidden wings and bloodlust, all of, uh, all of the podcast information will be in the description of today's episode on our website. And of course we will tag you in social media as well so that people can check it out. We think it's a, a nice little relationship because most of our listeners love animals of all kinds including insects, um, and just talking about how we can live every day of our life, uh, respecting and appreciating and learning all about all the animals we share this planet with. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of animals. Yes. Yeah. So many. So. Mm. 
it's beautiful. Mm, yeah. First day of spring. Lovely. We need them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to die on the anti-mosquito hill, though. I will die there. <laughs> I'll die there because of my allergic reactions to the mosquitoes. Yeah, I think, like, uh, I think, like, mosquitoes are kind of a, like, I, w- I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that they're, like, like, yeah, I, I would I would say that I don't like mosquitoes, actually. Yes, I, I would say I would. that. <laughs> Uh, we as, uh, here at CritterCast, we are very pro-animal, even animals that maybe before we start learning about them, we have very mixed feelings about them, or even after we've learned about them, <clears throat> owls talking about you, um, you know, we may be a little bit more wary or apprehensive of them, but we are still generally very pro-animal, including insects. We'll just put mosquitoes in their own little category for yes. now. No, stop it. I will get you to join <laughs> Team Squirrel at some point. I mean- Okay, well, we'll get there. Today, however, we are going to be talking about the hummingbird hawk moth, which is one of um, a few different species of what is generally called hawk moths, but we're going to focus on the hummingbird hawk moth, or a few different species of hummingbird moths. Today, we're going to talk about the hummingbird hawk moth. Mm -hmm. It's lots of fun. (laughs) Their scientific name, Marcoglossum stellatarum. Oh, look at that. Smooth and easy. Just right, right through there, right through that Latin name. They are, as we've said a couple times, an insect. That's what taxonomy tells us. Do they, do they look like one? Kind of, maybe not, Um, (laughs) but they are generally insects. Uh, What? I don't agree. Fish. (laughs) I, I don't see fish. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know, Cassie. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Diet-wise, these guys, I mean, you could call them nec- nectarivores. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, technically, I'm going to go ahead and qualify them as herbivores only because as caterpillars, they're not sipping on nectar. They're munching on leaves as all caterpillars do. Um, but you, as adults, they would be nectarivores which I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but we're going to go with it. Yeah. Average, right? Average lifespan. This one got a little tricky because there are, like I said, a couple different species of hummingbird moths. And some species live very, very short lives, like um, as short as three weeks. And some species live slightly longer, up to seven months. And I couldn't find a definitive answer on how long this particular species lives, but they are an insect. So we're not talking about like many, many years. They live much shorter than their bird friends, the actual hummingbird, which can usually live for a couple years. And size-wise, a lot of times anything with wings, we measure their size based on wingspan. So these guys have a wingspan of about one and a half to two inches, which let me, uh, let me just, for our friends that are not in the United States, that is about 38 to 50 millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I have to Google that because we don't learn the metric system well enough here. Yeah. Yeah. With your fingers, you could just kind of just about that. Mm. So not quite as big as an actual hummingbird, but still significantly larger than most moths. Yeah. To the point of if you were to see a hummingbird hawk moth around or any kind of hummingbird moth from a distance, you would not be able to tell whether it is a hummingbird or a moth. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because like, we, I don't know, I think about moths as like pretty small animals that don't look like this. That's for sure. But here they are. They were first documented by Carl Linnaeus in 1758. Carl Linnaeus was a Swedish botanist, physician, zoologist who, fun fact, formalized the modern system of naming organisms that we still use to this day. 
very fancy. I don't know. I don't know how much I agree with him. Like I actually, I I actually <laughs> did a a um my latest episode talked quite a lot about Carl Linnaeus. Right. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> um, but I have yeah, not he had like some. Yet, he I'm had sure like had some he thoughts. had like some um problematic ideas. Let's just put it that way. I mean, 1758, <laughs> I kind of assume. <laughs> but uh, but also, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he... Um, I would just... Yeah, like, so it was... They, there's, like, a debate about whether it was actually these things were coming from him or like like he whether he was oh. like that intentionally or, or whether from like... or whether or whether it was like more like the people who came after him who kind of like built mm. on these very dodgy concepts whereas he might just have been a bit clueless and uh. but we, we just don't know like Right. can't ask a, him you know, what he meant so he didn't, he didn't write a diary for us <laughs> dear diary today i'm going to make lots of problematic choices <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah cool guy mm-hmm. <laughs> right just stop stop everything we're doing we have to go do that now like <laughs> okay um <laughs> but but so one of the articles I read was just kind of, it was just kind of poking fun. Like mm. how much did these animals confuse him when he first saw them? Because <laughs> you're just like, this doesn't look like any bug I've ever seen, but it also doesn't look like a hummingbird should look like. Okay. Um, so, but here they are. They are found in parts of North Africa, Asia, and Southern Europe, but they do migrate into milder climates yeah. for the winter. So they can be more spread across Europe and into the UK yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, during those fun months. Yeah. So like, do you see, do you see them around Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically they never like until like the last few years, I never used to see them. But, like, I mm-hmm. think, like, last year especially, I saw quite a few. And I think the year before that, like, because usually we get quite a number of hawk moths. We get, I think, there's there's a really nice pink one that I think is, like, in the same family called the elephant hawk mm-hmm. moth. And that's not a hummingbird mm-hmm. hawk moth, but it's, like, it's bright pink and the caterpillar mm-hmm. is bright pink. And that's pretty amazing. There's, like, a few others. There's, I think, um, but the hummingbird hawk moths, like, we never ever used to get them and now like last summer I did actually see quite a few and I think that's because basically just because the climate's been warming up and um yeah it's been Absolutely. kind of ex- but it's it's still not very common but like you will get it in France and um increasingly you get them in the UK but it's still like I think it's like I think they're like not established but I'm not I'm not entirely sure on that one though yeah, so my research basically says that it's 100% climate change's fault that we're seeing yeah. them in other yeah. areas that yeah. we don't usually see them yeah. and that if the planet continues to warm and winters are milder, we're going to see them established year-round in a lot of places that yeah. they would normally yeah. not be year-round. Yeah. And I feel like this is true of a lot of animals, but specifically my, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I see geese a lot. Okay. That's what I'm just saying. Like, uh, I see a lot of geese all the time Like <laughs> <laughs> that I feel like are supposed to be migrating, but, uh, but anyway, the, they got their names because their physical resemblance is very strongly relating to hummingbirds this is a really weird way to put that sentence but they are not genetically closely related to hummingbirds but they look a lot like hummingbirds from a distance especially but even up close when you look at their body type and their wings and of course their very long sucking mouth nose thing yes. that goes down it it is indeed a proboscis yes which I have a, I think it's further down in my notes, but when, when you Google proboscis, Google has this new feature that um, they partner with Oxford language to give you definitions of words, but it's not the actual Oxford like dictionary definition, but their direct, their direct explanation is an elongated sucking mouth part that is typically tubular and flexible. I was like sucking mouth part. 
we like that's Google. That's the first result um, for a proboscis. But yes, that's what they have. <laughs> they also have two short antennae, the top of their head, and actually a forefront set of strong wings and then an interior set of smaller wings as well. And they're generally like a gray brown in color. So not as bold as some of the hummingbirds that we have here in the Americas, like those mm. really pretty green mm. ones, but a more neutral camouflage type color. And they have six, six individual legs, three, three yeah. little sets of yeah. legs. Yeah. But I think when you know, they, they are, fly, but you know, I don't know whether maybe there's different, variants of them but like when they fly Mm -hmm. you know when you see them kind of like stretching out with their with their um yeah that um Mm -hmm. when they you see like the on their like under wings are Mm -hmm. kind of orangey and like kind of like so like the the top part of their wings are a brown but then like the underside of are they're kind of like orangey they kind of like so you they are kind of brightly colored but only when they're when they're moving yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah but they but, but the, what you get underwings you... are like sort of orangey color like yeah a little bit yeah. more bright a little bit mm-hmm. more vibrant in color yeah. and because yeah. their wings beat so fast like a hummingbird not quite as mm-hmm. fast as a hummingbird mm-hmm. but they can get about 70 to 80 beats per minute which is oh, wow. a wow still mm-hmm. it's it's and that's what allows them to hover and uh, and hover over plants and suck out the nectar and mm. all that fun stuff. Mm. Um, it also allows them to coexist with a lot of other um, nectar-consuming species because the long proboscis allows them to get down to the base and the bottom of those deep-throated blossoms where mm. a- other animals aren't eating the nectar all the way down there. They're kind yeah. of sticking around the top. Yeah. So. Um, They are. They're excellent little shares and they're wonderful pollinators too, as adults. Mm. They are very, very good for the environment because they pollinate just like our bee friends and all of our other nectar sucking friends. Um, um, I mean, it, you could, well, we can't have them here. (laughs) We don't, we don't, they don't exist in the Americas, but for folks living in, right. uh, For folks living in areas where they can be found, you can attract them to your yard by planting deep throated and tube like, um, and things that are heavy in nectar. So like lots of ivies that have Mm. nectar blossoms and all that fun stuff. Um, you can attract them, but it's, it's similar, like the same way that you can attract humming. You can attract real hummingbirds, Cassie. And Folks in Europe, they can't because there are no hummingbirds in Europe. This is as close as you get to a hummingbird. Yeah. Hummingbirds are only found here in the Americas. <laughs> That's the, like, we don't get to have hummingbird hawk moths, but we get, we get real You get real hummingbirds. Yeah. And you can befriend those because they'll live for a couple years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... That's true. <laughs> That's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right, right, right. You can't, I mean, you could befriend them from afar. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Well, you yeah, can, and yeah. you can also befriend these little, these little hummingbird hawk moths too. Lots of fun here. They um, just, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think they're, I don't think they're quite as murderous as a, but, but yeah, you'd be well, pretty far so away. Humming, get so like hummingbirds are murderous. I didn't yes. know this. Well, you know what? We will have to do a whole hummingbird <laughs> episode because like, it my, would really, my world, my it would world derail like, this episode. My world has been shattered. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> uh, I, you will find that many more birds are murderous than you think are murderous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, they just truly they kind of all have homicidal tendencies, mm-hmm. but it's fine. <laughs> okay, so this this is accurate, but back to hummingbird hawk moths because we could we could go on day long tangents about 
birds because they're fascinating. Um, but these insects are extra cool, especially this particular species are extra cool because they can sustain their, their flight and hovering for a lot longer than um, even some other hummingbird moths. And uh, they are not deterred whatsoever by the rain. So they can feed in the rain. They can, they're out primarily oh, wow. during the day. They're primarily diurnal, which is yeah. really cool. Whereas most moth species are, of course, nocturnal moth like a moth to the flame a moth to the light not these guys they are awake during the day um they they also scientists theorize that because they're awake during the day they probably have superior vision and color learning abilities as compared to other moth species which is very cool indeed so when two different species evolve separately but similarly we call this convergence evolution and that's what we think has happened between hummingbirds which are bird friends and hummingbird hawk moths which are insect friends and stop they don't look like fish you know listeners you will have to look at all the pictures we'll post of hummingbird hawk moths and give us your input are you team common sense Karina and Rachel where they don't at all look like fish or are you going to jump on team crazy this week and join Cassie (laughs) 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 oh my goodness gracious so for hummingbird hawk moth specifically we scientists believe that they evolve this way as a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. since they're out in the day and susceptible to so many more predators than traditional nocturnal moths it helps to look more like a bird to be a little bit bigger and also to have um fun little horns on their butts for you know defense mechanisms you're right you know clearly Mm. horned up you know yes. how like horned a lot up. of the the other hawk moths like the you know i was just saying about that pink one like a mm-hmm. lot of them have i didn't know that i actually didn't know that you that the adult like had the horn like but you, yeah when you find those 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 caterpillars the caterpillars of this of these uh of these moths mm-hmm. like most of the caterpillars have got a little horn on their bum like Mm-hmm. You might say like a, I don't know, a twerking tobacco hornworm, yes. <laughs> which we did an episode yeah. on. Yeah, I, I remember that. Um, but like, <laughs> I didn't actually know that the hummingbird, ho- so it retains it as an adult. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that either. It's, it's they're smaller and I I've don't never think they're seen, very easy to I, see. I've but... never seen that. Hmm. Yes, there is a fancy name for that. I have it somewhere later in my notes. We'll get there. Um, but okay. of those like fibers covering their posterior end. <laughs> How many funny ways can I say booty today? <laughs> not just booty. <laughs> um, so fun. F- oh, you know what? Can't give that fun fact. I already gave it. That hummingbird moths are the only hummingbird-like animals mm. in Europe. I already gave that fun fact. So moving on to their life cycle. Uh, like many other insects, hummingbird hawk moths go through a metamorphosis with mm-hmm. distinct stages of life. And we were kind of talking about this before we hit record, but we, we've talked about insects on this podcast before, but we don't talk about them as often as we talk about other animals. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just have to sit there and remember that like they will, they're born as one thing and then they cocoon into little pupa. And then they emerge something completely different, but it is that one animal still like they can just completely change what they look like and how they function and what they eat. Like their whole, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. And maybe that's because I've been rewatching agents of shield and, um, they, they really touch on that concept there, but, uh, (laughs) but I'm, I don't know if you guess, I do not need your input. I do not require it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I just think that is completely and utterly fascinating. Like mm-hmm. I just had to take a moment when I was writing my notes to be like insects, man. They just, they, we share the planet, but they are just living on a whole nother level, like a whole mm-hmm. nother level that we are not living on. <laughs> I don't know if it's a better level, but it's different. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. 
you know? Do you know I'm... what? Do you know what would what would actually be really cool? Um, mm. to to yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, like do you know to get a little camera or or like to shrink yourself down or to get a little camera and like just walk around on the leaf and just like follow the, all the insects around. Like I've always Magic wanted to school do that. Bus it. Magic school bus it. <laughs> yes 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 maybe like, we'll get there one day like i i just was thinking because like um we had last year we had a lot of obviously had a lot of um different insects in the garden including hummingbird hormones and i just thought like wouldn't it be amazing if you could just like have a little camera and then just like kind of like a robot camera and just like follow follow them yeah. all around and see what they were what all doing? They doing yeah yeah like what are the intimate lives of these I just want to know I just want to know <laughs> quite quite possible quite possibly um but I'm, I'm just sh- thinking it would be nice if I could do it <laughs> right if we like if this is just something regularly that, that we had now. access to that would be yeah. fascinating and yeah. I love it uh, but these they're distinct so they go through the their subtle differences species to species um but this is specifically about hummingbird hawk moths and most of the most of the hummingbird moths follow the same kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. um cycle so they of course start out as eggs females can lay up to two broods a year and it's about 200 eggs each time because you know it's quantity it's quantity over quality with smaller animals like you know they're not all gonna necessarily survive so you just got to get as many out into the world as you can uh because there's just too much that will snack up on insect eggs and caterpillars and all that good stuff but uh the eggs only incubate for about six to eight days before hatching which is not bad and there's no like special incubation it's not like birds or reptiles where they have to be kept at a certain temperature they're just kind of like they're there for about a week before they hatch and they hatch into their larval stage, which is of course the caterpillars. Um, and we talked about this already. These particular caterpillars both start out as a pale yellow and then they turn green upon maturing. And they also develop specifically maroon or brown horns on their posterior end. Um, so they are also a type of hornworm because, you know, gotta love a hornworm. They're just fun. They like to munch on leaves and plants. A particular favorite of them is bed straw, which is a type of plant I'd never heard of. I had to look it up. I have not a clue, man. So is it is it is it the is it the plant because I've just searched it up. Is it the plant that says mm-hmm. it's called ladies bed straw? Or is maybe ladies bed straw or is it just called bed straw because there seems to be I several there's like northern bed straw there's like i think it's just the regular bed straw but i think they're probably in the same family yeah okay apparently there's 400 it's... species of it well there you go <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Well, on bed straw. We, uh, we'll <laughs> on bed straw, yeah. yeah. Just... <laughs> that would be so much, so much. That's like so this much. week. Yeah, like um, apparently there's yeah this week hedge beds. <laughs> there's hedge bed straw, common bed straw, white bed straws. Oh, there's so many. It's like a whole new world. There you go. Well, that's there. No wonder. No wonder. I bet they like it all. They just they munch on it all. Um, Now, caterpillars, of course, it's a it's a love hate relationship with the world, right? We think caterpillars are so cute. They grow up into really beneficial animals. But at that stage of their life, their kind of teenage phase, they can present quite a problem and be pretty big pests. So Mm. people don't love having large numbers of these guys in their gardens because they can decimate your plants. Mm. I have Yes. Interesting. No. Hmm. No. Like when it it would dry and then you would just... Can you imagine how on... 
like, I, I know sometimes it can be frustrating to live in the time that we live in, but like, I'm so glad I don't have to sleep on a mattress stuffed with dried straw. <laughs> like I, in a very different way though, a very different way. <laughs> no, that's, in, I mean, that's very interesting. And you got the answer to your question. So that's good. Uh, so they're usually only caterpillars for about three weeks. So they're not pests forever, just like a little bit. And then, uh, and then they pupate and they form a brown cocoon that can be camouflaged. They're usually um, laid and they usually cocoon among dead leaves or at the base of plants so that they can easily be camouflaged from anything that might want a, a nice little protein snack um, because what a little pack of protein. And while they're pupating, not only do they you know, fully change into, but one of the first things to develop is the proboscis and it will start sticking up out of the top of the cocoon because there's not really room for it in the cocoon. So really, it'll just kind well, of so they like, can't like, they can't like coil it up because I guess not. Like I, what a strange thing for that to be one of the first things to develop, you know, like you would think that would be me one of the lot, but I guess maybe it takes a longer, I don't really maybe, understand how. Maybe. Cause like, cause like usually when, when a moth or like a butterfly is sitting, is you know, when you see them, like they're sitting down, um, mm -hmm. like they usually, um, like the, the proboscis is usually curled up by its, um, by its, by its, yeah. uh, by its head. So I suppose mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. Here. I guess if it's like, if it's first growing, it hasn't oh, yeah. been able mm -hmm. to curl yet. Cause it's still just growing. Makes sense. It grows yeah. out the yeah. top. Yeah. And then probably curls when they break out of the cocoon. But still, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which I think is probably. I think that's probably what it looks like. And they this is also the time when they develop their little spiky horns near their near their. But those those don't stick out of the cocoon. It's just it's just <laughs> the. <laughs> That's and when hilarious. the adults emerge from their cocoon, they have their two sets of wings, their really strong forewings and their smaller hind wings, their three pairs of legs, a large and broad abdomen, and then stiff hair covering their booty with fibers called seta that are like, it's not a hair, but it resembles a hair or a fur type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of hides their little butt spikes, <laughs> but they have them. I, I don't know that we've ever seen them use them as a defense mechanism, but maybe it's the kind of thing where like, if something tried to grab them and it got poked in the mouth, it might be like, ah, and let it go. And then they could fly away. <laughs> that's just, that's just me guessing. I have no, I, cause yeah. I don't think they're like, I don't think they're like whipping them around and using them as weapons as much <laughs> as just like a deterrent, you know? Maybe, I'm kind of interested now. Maybe. <laughs> now I want to know. That's I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> it's one thing that and we talked about this briefly in one of our earlier episodes of this season, but just that like we 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 can research and research and have pages and pages of notes and still miss out on so much about every animal we talk about. And this was especially true when we first started CritterCast and we were like doing very broad topics because there was no way. All geckos, we literally what do we do? Uh all all out god it was just we were nuts we were crazy <laughs> but, so um but yeah i'm just looking because cassie just put an image of the of the pupa into the um into the chat mm -hmm. and and i can and the the is the top thing the proboscis like it almost yeah. looks like a do you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of like a little handbag thing like you just put it over your yeah, shoulder it's a little and, like, handle like and you, you know, just like, like that you just like you just like end. carry it you just carry it over your shoulder instead of in, instead of all your makeup and everything it would just be like a little hummingbird <laughs> hawk moth with a butt spike and a proboscis it's very fancy oh my goodness and Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. 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 <laughs> the one that's always the one that's always getting left behind. Yeah. In the one Muppet movie. I don't know his name. 
No. Well, oh no. Are you talking about Gonzo though? I think we're talking about two different Muppets. It does look more like Gonzo. Yeah. But you were talking about the big fluffy one that looks like Snuffleupagus, but is not Snuffleupagus. Oh, Muppets. <laughs> also, sorry, anyway. to, sorry to derail the episode even more, but there's a... Go for it. There's a type of monkey. Um, have you ever heard of the proboscis monkey? <laughs> N- no. Oh, no. Am I, gonna, am I going to... You're, you're missing out. You're missing out in that case. Am I going to regret this Google search? No, is the question. no, no. Oh, oh, honey. Oh, it's... It's kind of unfortunate. You know what? It looks like a blobfish. They look blobfishy. Like, or goblin shark. When I, when I, I first saw like a picture of this monkey, like when I was a kid and I couldn't believe that it, I didn't actually believe that it was real. <laughs> There's so many, I mean, the, the world is full of so many ridiculous things that like we cannot we cannot begin to fully appreciate because we just look at it and we laugh and like it that's it's so unfair of us but like i have to laugh well they probably like, look, just they probably look at us and laugh so there you that's go. accurate why are all those things so naked where is all their hair <laughs> exactly. let's stop breeding animals to be naked that shouldn't be naked ridiculous ridiculous oh my I mean, it's all relevant though, right? It's all relevant. (laughs) So behaviorally, like we already mentioned, these guys spend most of their day flying flower to flower, blossom to blossom, drinking nectar and spreading that nectar from plant to plant, AKA pollinating and cross pollinating and helping plants grow, which is awesome and helpful. It's so funny because it's kind of like passively helpful, you know, like to them, they're just having a snack. They're just like living their life, but to the whole ecosystem they're doing a very important job and if they weren't doing it we would be in a really bad place it's just crazy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. yeah Right, right, right. Uh huh. It feeds all the city rats, <laughs> which breed disease and all the. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, you know. Either way, they're they're cool and they're helpful for the environment. I don't know about you and your bag of Doritos, but I can say that hummingbird hawk moths are very helpful. They can travel, the guess is, about 12 miles per hour, which is insane. Oh, wow. I'm like, no wonder they have to eat all day because, like, they must be so exhausted. They must be so exhausted from, like, yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look up that information. I would assume so. Be a pretty rapid little heartbeat. Um, the males during, uh, I found this little, just fun fact. There wasn't a lot of information on breeding because it's pretty standard insect breeding, but, um, they said during breeding season, males will find females, they'll sniff them out and then they will chase them down in a loving dog fight. And I, <laughs> I don't know what they mean by that. Like I was like, Like, it's just, uh, what is a loving dog fight? Yes, because I guarantee you've never they, seen a dog fight. I think, I think like, what they mean is, like, um, when they're in, in like, the military, in, in, the, in the military, like, dog fight doesn't actually mean dog fight when you're talking about planes, like, because in the war... Um, they would mm. the two different type the two different like the enemy planes would fight each other and they would like chase each other around and that was called a dog fight oh. like it wasn't actually oh. it wasn't actually Very... to do with dog fighting it oh was it was Rachel if we didn't the have military. you on this podcast yeah. today we would have just had we would have been so confused yeah and probably talked about it for another ten minutes. <laughs> it's because it, it's because it's like it's because like when the 
when the German planes and the and the British planes would would do that during the war, and that and that's what it was called. Like it's <laughs> now now that you have yeah. said it, yeah, it, it's somewhere in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. I know that at some point a history teacher tried to teach me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I think they failed miserably, and it, it's not their fault. I don't know what. <laughs> just yeah, like, like yeah, yeah. It's just. It's, Right, right. I don't really know where that comes, but basically, right there you go. I think they just chased them down. I it's think a they little... just got kind of like they wanted yeah. to because of the whole flying and planes and yeah, like. <laughs> I th- but they could have easily compared it more accurately to like bird mating mm. rituals, yeah. which often yeah. involve some kind of like chase down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And enemies. It's just enemies to lovers. It's fine. Uh, uh, behaviorally, we there's not really a lot of other information out there because they move so quick and they flip by really quickly. We don't actually get to like sit and watch what they do all day. They are independent animals. They are, they don't fight with each other. They don't have like territories that they defend or anything like that. But they're not like. <laughs> but they but they're not congregating anywhere either. So you know they're just kind of like living their own individual lives. And if they come across each other, they come across each other. They don't hang with each other much. I would assume because you know it's to each their own on dibs on that flower, but. You know, they're not starting fights over whose little patch of flower this is. Yes. As right, right. I, which is funny. Maybe. Yeah, I could see it. It's funny as I was about to say they're solitary like most insects. And then I had to stop and think about all of the insects that are not solitary. And I, yeah, I was like ants not solitary i was like not solitary so uh so yeah ish i mean they grow up into hawk moths so so fun so fun they do oh my goodness gracious i had a lot of fun here today it was those are my facts it was a lot of fun yeah You are welcome. <laughs> I mean, we'll just say it, it took me some time, like a some amount of time. <laughs> oh, there you yeah. go. I really don't think it was too much quantity only because when when we get into smaller, the smaller and smaller animals, we just generally... Not true all the time because there was quite a bit of research on some of our little microscopic friends. Um, but there's just not a lot that we look into when we're studying mm. because because we think of in a more broad scope for a lot of smaller animals, which is fine. You know, we can't we can't know detailed, intimate information about every single species ever. <laughs> That's a lot, Cassie. That's accurate. That's true. If we, if we fund those entomologists. And, and yeah, entomologists. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I found a really cool one on TikTok. Yeah, she had a, she had one. Hold on. Let me look it up again. Cause she had a TikTok about the hummingbird hawk moth and it was cute and informative. And her page is entomology Abby. Okay. You can uh, you can go give Ali of Abby a follow. She has twenty two point five thousand followers on TikTok. If they're like pollinators, then that that means that they must be hugely important for things like crops or like flowers and horticulture yeah. and stuff. I like, do. Be- I I yeah. would believe it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and they migrate. So they're migrating to different areas. So they are vastly important to a huge part of the world, which is mm. awesome. So if you live in an area where hummingbird hawk moths are native or migrate through, plant some plants that they like. Maybe spot one. 
Get some get some uh, a get, bed some straw bed, get some bed straw. Do whatever you want, do, but do I, you're you not want... going to attract them. Like, but you could attract something else with tiny plant coffees. Have fun. <laughs> but it has to be in the style of those tiny kitchens where the oven is just a tea light. <laughs> you just like. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. We hope you had a lovely time learning about hummingbird hawk moth. I had a lovely Once time. Again, thank you so I'm much. Glad. Once again. If it, folks yeah. are wanting to yeah. check out Hidden Wings and good... Bloodlust, yeah, of course. Um, we will make sure that all that information is in the description of this episode on our website as well as on our social media um, as this goes into recording. They, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, I think Google Podcasts now. I think basically wherever you get wherever you get pod- podcasts, you can find it sweet do you have a website they can go to yes so i've got um i've got a twitter um page which is at hwab podcasts and i've also got the website which is um um ht i think it's https um hidden wings and bloodlusts dot podbean dot com or you can also like my facebook page it's uh it's just hidden wings and bloodlust all one word um nice yeah and i've also also got a instagram page called 365.ladybird all right that's just where i post like my pictures of of ladybirds and and things perfect not only ladybirds but like different different kind of nature things that i see yeah yeah sweet and yes, it is. I double checked it for you. It's hiddenwingsandbloodlust.podbean.com. Yeah. And you can get right to the whole feed of all the episodes from there if you guys are looking. Cassie, if folks are liking our show and wanting to check out more about CritterCast, where might they go? <laughs> 65 plus two because early on we didn't number I don't know why we didn't number some of the episodes we were like it's a special episode so it's not numbered so it's actually more than that I, but. my I've got to say like my numbering system on my episodes went completely haywire <laughs> at one point and you I just like, oops <laughs> and then I'm just like I think I've got like two episode eights and then like episode six and then like episode nine <laughs> like yeah it's, yeah and then I, and I was hours like hours and hours then I was looking at it I was looking at it thinking like like this isn't right and then <laughs> and then I like went back oh, well. and, numbered, and like yeah yeah <laughs> it's fine yeah it was a whole funky thing man yeah, yeah. There is indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Gotta love it, man. Oh, oh, the the tweeters. <laughs> yeah, well, we've we've got three. I think we did three. Yeah. Oh wow. Because yeah. we we did a we we did a paid a limited a limited edition. <laughs> patreon series uh where we we discussed uh, maybe not so not so uh real animals we maybe some fictional animals oh, however wow. some of us some of us decided to treat them as if they were real 
There is no such thing as Tahoe Tessie. I will go <laughs> die on that. <laughs> well, like things like things like the Yeti and and, and Bigfoot. Uh, and stuff. We did. We yeah. we had a a dragons episode, a unicorn episode, Amazing. and yeah. a Tahoe Tessie, which is basically knockoff Loch Ness. Oh my god! <laughs> what what is this animal? Well, I suppose I have to listen. Oh, okay. but in in Lake Tahoe instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, oh my goodness. It was it was not just the seriousness with which you approached that episode with no heads up to your co-host. It was the style that was very true crimey, which was just like not at all our vibe. It really threw me <laughs> off. <laughs> But you can find those episodes on our Patreon. You can join us on Patreon for as little as $2 a month as a Basil's buddy. Um, and, and stay tuned there if you're interested because we're, we're revamping. We're rediscovering our Patreon selves. But you are welcome to join there. We love that journey for us. Our Patreon is a place where extra special, extra excited CritterCast followers can just be a little bit more engaged in our creative process and help support our pursuits to further the mission of helping people learn about and appreciate animals. So we use our Patreon funds to not only upgrade our equipment as needed, fund our show as needed, but also attend reptile expos and shows pre-pandemic. We'll kind of see how that goes post-pandemic. Definitely nothing during pandemic, but we'll just kind of see what our comfort level is. Um, Also other excursions to places like zoos and um, sanctuaries and donations to helping fund research and conservation efforts for episodes that for animals that we talk about on the show because that's all near and dear to us Mm -hmm. so that's where our patreon funds go um if people are interested in joining and getting some extra funny episodes on the way super fun stuff no problem Mm -hmm. had a really good time so wonderful that's what we love to hear and thank you lovely CritterCast listeners for tuning in we love you so much we know that our CritterCast listeners are the type of listeners that go out see insects get excited take a picture and continue on with their lives that is going to be it for us here today at CritterCast see you later alligator after a while crocodile this is the CritterCast podcast.